Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Today, Bill Brooks interviews Parker J. Cole about writing Christian fiction. Parker shares her thoughts about Christians engaging sinful topics in their writing. Welcome to Creatively Christian. I'm your host, Bill Brooks, bringing you another Creative Christian. Our next guest is an author, speaker, and radio show host with a fanatical obsession with the Lord, K-dramas, anime, romance books, old movies, speculative fiction, knitting, and Star Trek. Please welcome to the podcast, Parker J. Cole. Hello, Parker. How are you? Hey, Bill. How are you doing? I'm great. And I'm so excited to be here today. Awesome. So I can relate to the, the Star Trek fandom because I myself started reading the Bible because I ran out of Star Trek novels where I was staying. So I found the Gideon's Bible and uh, I, I hear you have deep convictions about Star Trek as well. I definitely do. And even one of the characters in Star Trek's name was Gideon. And so, yeah, I see the correlation between there, but I'm definitely am a Star Trek fan. I'm an original series aficionado. And what I love about Star Trek is the fact that it takes us to go boldly where we haven't gone before. So it really helps to probe the imagination, especially uh, when it comes to going on voyages. And right now you can see that correlation with the space private space race that's happening right now Uh, being headed by amazon's jeff bezos with his new venture elon musk uh, some of the countries getting together all those satellites went to mars last uh last year they all landed all these things just really titillate my um excitement about space and i know i'll never go i have no interest in leaving earth but should our children go should they enjoy to uh, probe the depths of god's creativity and of his majesty i i bid them adieu and godspeed and everything so star trek really speaks to me as a author as a writer as a creative but really as a christian now, do I have definite opinions about where the brand is going? I definitely do. I won't watch some of the incarnations because I don't think they're canon. And so in right. order to protect my mind from my Star Trek purity, I don't watch mm-hmm. them. <laughs> so I've learned recently that Jeff Bezos is a huge Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything he says to his staff says, make it so. Yes. He has a bald head. Uh, he made... Alexa to to be like a speaking computer, just like just like the enterprise computer. So yep, yep, yeah. You're right. It's coming. It, it is yeah. being made. So being mm-hmm. being made. Yeah. All right. So when did you first get the writing bug? I always knew I wanted to be a writer. There is no doubt in my mind that I would be a writer. The urge has always been in me. And this is particularly significant for Christian creatives because some people feel as if they are still looking for their creative purpose. And I have been blessed with knowing what that was 
as a child. There was no doubt in my mind that I would be a writer. I just did not know I would ever write in Christian fiction because I did not discover Christian fiction until the year 2000. And I was lost coming home from church, went the wrong way because I have no sense of direction. (laughs) And I saw this store called Family Christian Stores. So I skidded over into the driveway and I went in there and I saw all these books by Christian authors. Some were theology, nonfiction, devotionals. But then I saw the wall of Christian fiction, particularly Christian romance, which is my forte. And I just start to devour it. Now I do have a very wide reading range that I do, but I do love Christian fiction, depending on who's writing it. And I have to make that caveat, depending on who's writing it. So yeah, that's how I knew that I would be a writer was from, I would literally want to say from birth, I do not have a memory of me (laughs) not knowing I would be a writer. Wow. So when exactly was your first book or first novel written when did you write your first novel well there's two stories to that the first novel I ever wrote I was 16 years old I wrote it from the time I was 16 to 19 and during that time uh, vampires were all the rage and I believe I had the first black twilight series but you would never know because I never published it um I have wrote it from 1690. I got a copyright and everything. It's called Dark Love. Uh, it will never see the light of day, but I, uh, <laughs> I have wrote that from that. So that's quote unquote my first novel. But when I took myself seriously, when I really became serious about my writing was back in 2010, I had lost my job and I had an artifact called a five and a half floppy disk. And I know for some of our <laughs> Christian creatives, this is a Roman artifact they used to use back in the day. And then I took that five and a half floppy disk again it looks like a big giant floppy disk with a hole in it and i transferred to another ancient artifact called a three and a quarter floppy disk and i insert into a big giant computer that had disk drives into it and i had a story on there and i have been working on it since i was 18 years old and when i lost my job in 2010 i lost my job i said you know i'm tired of seeing you on this computer I'm tired of it. And I used that opportunity of being fired. And I ended up finishing my story. It was a Christian horror story. I finished it. And then I published it. And from that moment on, things happened in my life that showed me I was definitely living my purpose. Wow. That's an excellent story with the floppy disks and everything. Um, So what is your your opinion of realism in Christian fiction? I am all for realism in Christian fiction. It's something that I speak about all the time. Um, Over the years, though, I have begun to be more accepting of some Christians who tend to write a little less realistic, and they have their reasons for that. But one of the things that I like about Christian fiction that delves into realism is that we tackle the opportunity have the opportunity to tackle subjects that are difficult in the vehicle of fiction. For example, I had a guest on my podcast, if you don't mind, Bill, I had a guest on my podcast. Um, They had, okay. They, they had a book about, um, Oh, what was it? Oh, they had a book about aliens, UFOs, 
alien stuff like that what did it mean from a christian perspective and so they used the vehicle of fiction to talk about it now some mainstream christian publishers would stray away from that they don't want to talk about it they want to keep it contemporary or sweet historical but that's where speculative fiction is really where the icing on the cake is where you can really delve into these really great topics and get um, deeper into it so i'm all for christian realism i have christian horror people i have mystery i've had um memoirs all that type of stuff realism i think is necessary um i think we can preach better sometimes with the fiction books than with realistic characters than we cannot but i don't want to negate those of you who have had difficult lives or difficult things that are hard for you to talk about and you don't want to um expand on that and i i I totally agree with that stance as well okay so i have here written uh that you say it's okay to highlight sex sin and swearing in christian fiction what exactly do you mean by that Mm -hmm. okay so this is uh, one of those things that will probably be debated until the end of time. So I pulled my thoughts from this book of opinions. Okay. (laughs) Chapter two, verse seven. All right. Second opinions. Um, One of the things of, yeah, second opinions, chapter two, verse seven. And so one of the things about swearing as Christian fiction and sex as Christian fiction is that people avoid it. One thing I always say, and this is not popular, sex was created by God. It is not vulgar. It is not disgusting. We make it disgusting. We Uh, are the ones who take something that God made and we are the ones who destroy it. My mother always said, there is one command (laughs) that we obey without any help. And that's to be fruitful and multiply. That is the one thing that we do without any help. Are we responsible with that command? No, but we will definitely do that. So avoiding sexual tension, avoiding sensuality is not the way to go. In fact, when you start to avoid these things, I personally believe that you open up the devil's cauldron, if you will, of Uh. aberrant behaviors, of being really private, about not being vulnerable, about sexual things that affect Christians. That's my stance on sensuality. I'm not saying you have to be explicit. I don't mean you have to show people hanging from chandeliers and doing all that. Uh. You ain't got to do all that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with showing that sexual tension that it does exist. Particularly as I'm a romance novelist, I want to know that my guy is into my girl. And I read one book, Bill. Honest to gosh, he never looked past her chin. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Her chin is that fascinating, you know, and when he kissed her, there was no, no romanticism about it. It was just very sterile. And I don't think yeah. we're meant to be sterile creatures. So that's my view with right. sensuality. Don't necessarily avoid it. You don't have to uh, be explicit, but if you are, you know, for again, me, that's, that's me. That's who I am. I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but that's me. I had a guy reach out to me, Bill. He, he, he actually writes. I kid you not, Christian erotica. And I said, there's no such thing. (laughs) I said, (laughs) just call erotica. I mean, if you want to, you know, make it, just call it that. But he was like, no, it's Christian erotica. I said, okay, I can't help you, but all right, whatever. Um, Secondly, with swearing, swearing is one of those things I think people would rather show uh, someone's head getting cut off (laughs) before they have swearing because people use the verse, what comes out of the mouth um, is shows what's on the inside of the heart. So that's why they avoid swearing. But swearing really is interesting. If I were to use the term strumpet today, people will go, 
Oh, am I supposed to be offended? You know, right. it's very yeah. interesting what swearing does. And people avoid swearing because they think that's really, really bad. But it's really the power of the word that actually has this profane effect on people. So that's right. why I'm not against swearing. Does it have to be gratuitous? Again, no. But is it okay? In my opinion, yes. Um, would I ever use like GD? No. I would never. I do have my own uh, standards that I have. But some people say, Parker, you're ridiculous. We'll have to agree to disagree. That's why I pulled from the book of Second Opinions, chapter <laughs> 2, verse 7. Yeah, uh, even in the Bible, I mean, Song of Songs made me blush. So, mm-hmm. it, if I may, I, I'm it's a married funny man. You, so, <laughs> it's funny that you said that. I just finished listening to Song of Songs two days ago, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is a very highly sensuous book." Everyone's like, "Well, he's talking about the church." I said, "I'm sorry, Solomon had a thousand women. Yeah, he was not thinking about the church." Okay, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, even in the story of Joseph, uh, I'm writing a story of Joseph. His sister gets, Dinah gets raped. Uh, uh, let's see, Judah sleeps with Tamar, his daughter-in-law. Reuben sleeps with Bilhah, his, uh, his father's concubine. And Joseph gets sexually accosted by, by Potiphar's wife. So there's a lot in there. There's a lot... <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, God didn't get explicit. That's what some people kind of differ on. But he lets us know that people have been doing this for many years. Okay. And I always felt bad for um, Joseph because he wasn't trying to do anything. Now, here he is way before me too, you know, and he's like, I'm just trying to do my job and finish up. That's all I'm trying to do. And then she gets like, wow, this man is fine and I want him. And guess what? He gets thrown in jail, you know? Yep. So uh, let's talk about diversity and multiculturalism in Christian publishing. Uh, so there are many races in the Bible. If, if you look back into uh, uh, in Genesis, uh, if you know where these countries actually are, like the land of Kush, I've recently learned, is today's Ethiopia. So uh, what are your thoughts on multiculturalism in your stories? I believe multiculturalism is important, but I am not of the opinion that it should supersede what God does for us in our individual lives. I believe it's important to maintain culture. I believe you're going to write outside of your culture. Please do. Do not do it from a place of ignorance. Ask questions. If I may, again, one of my books, I wrote for, um, I wrote a romance from a Chinese perspective and I had to do tons and tons of research for it. I had to ask some Chinese friends of mine to help out people who had uh, degrees in Chinese history. So I didn't want to write from a place of ignorance and I wanted to depict it a certain way. So I believe multicultural and diversity is needed within Christian fiction because for so long it has been heavily been on a Western European perspective, which we understand is it is what it is. But people are starting to put culture over God, culture over salvation, culture mm. over evangelism, culture over that, as if we have to, quote unquote, make up for the mistakes of the past. Um, whereas that's another subject for another time. God says in him, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male or female. And so what he does is even the playing field for everybody. So while it is true that we do need to have that diversity, 
that diversity in Christian fiction. You know, have the Chinese Christians who know their story tell those stories. Have um, the various um, ethnic groups tell their story. There's nothing wrong with that. But we don't want to supersede what God does for us over our culture. Because at the end of the day, God said, I do not know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And Hmm. he's not going to say, I don't know your culture. He's going to say, I never knew you. You as the individual. I don't know you. That's what he's going to say. And so we don't want to let this call to respect culture um, negate our evangelism or our knowledge of salvation. Amen. Awesome. Uh, You also say that it's time to stop bullying of Christian authors who write in stepchild genres, such as like horror and fantasy, science fiction, paranormal. Uh, can you expound on that? What, do you, what kind of bullying have you received? Some mainstream Christian readers and publishers really look down on people who write not what's popular for mainstream Christian fiction. I am a proponent and advocate of speculative fiction, particularly Christians who write it, because it's such a unique genre where you can explore so many interesting ideas, okay? Like, I'm going to use the alien guy, for example. I know this guy, his name is Jess Hanna. He wrote this book, and he wrote it about aliens. And so there's this tension between, is this extraterrestrial activity or is this demonic activity? And, you know, for Christians, there's two different schools of thoughts about it. Another young man I had on my show, he writes fantasy. And he wrote something in a very gray area of the scripture talking about demons. Did all demons side with Satan or did some go off on their own? Did some ever want to come back to the Lord? We don't know. Okay. So it's a gray area Christian hmm, fiction. And he wrote a story called the Chronicles of Kadesh, Kadesh Chronicles. And he explored that through this fantasy landscape of these demonic Uh, these fallen beings, fallen angels wanting to come back to God, but their lives are shown through their actions on this world, the Kadesh Chronicles. And then there's another gentleman I know, his name is Donovan O'Neill. He wrote, oh gosh, it's not the Bible, but he wrote this beautiful um, uh, pre-fall book about the war in heaven between Satan and God, uh, angels, and it was a huge bestseller on, um, online and everything. So these gray areas, why don't we explore them? We're not saying they're canon. We're not saying they're scripture, but I don't think God wants us to be quiet about it. I don't think he wants to be quiet about it. Another young lady I know who writes horror, she likes to delve into how do people react when they're put into certain situations where their sins will come to fruition. Another gentleman I know, he he doesn't write dark anymore. He's actually going a different way. But his dark fiction dealt with what if Satan manifested himself on the earth? And what would that mean? He said, basically, if Satan manifested himself on the earth, that will mean two things. God exists and yeah. Satan exists. And he right. did this. Well, I say beautiful, but I don't think beautiful like, oh, it's lovely. But this wonderful desecration of what that would look like on earth is a very unique take on end times theology. And uh, I enjoyed it. But see, if you just stick here with just this, how do you explore some of these other questions that people outside of the faith have questions about? We should study to show thyself to know what we're talking about, 
okay? And fiction can give us that wonderful vehicle to do that. That's why I'm an advocate for it. Do I agree with everything out there? Of course not. But I'm not going to say shut up and be quiet. There was one young lady, and I saw her get bullied out of her gift and go on to a different genre because everyone got upset that she has swearing in her book and she was talking about lost societies and lost um I'm sorry it's not lost societies secret societies and things of that nature and they they bullied her out of the book they bullied her out of it oh you shouldn't do that and just bully 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 and oh you shouldn't write that oh you shouldn't do magic you shouldn't do this I said first of all just because you have magic in the story, which is another biggie, that doesn't mean it's witchcraft, okay? The authors I talk to, they do a lot to make sure they are not trying to show demonic possessions. They're not trying right. to show demonic um, loyalties, anything. So that's what I mean by being bullied. The person who sees it, they have a knee-jerk reaction to someone else's creativity. They have the problem. So then they don't want you to mess with their knee-jerk reaction that's their problem not yours and i don't want to see christians bully them because they have a problem with it all right i'm not going to mess with you parker you're scaring me i'm not i'm not going to believe well, i'm just really passionate about it bill i'm really passionate about it because i've seen it i mean over the, i've been doing this now what 2010 I'm, I've seen it happen over and over again. And people think I can't write this because I'm not going to be a real Christian. I can't write this because someone may be led astray or I can't write yeah. this. And that's not fair. If you have gone to the Lord about your message, his approval is the only ones you need. Now, if yeah. you need honing, that's different. Like, let's hone your message a little bit. Let's make sure we, you know, uh, carve it and get it together. But don't let someone else bully you out the message that God has given you to put it, present out there. Yeah, I can. I write comic books. I, I mean, I, I'm working on writing my first comic book, is what I really should say. And even the people that I've spoken to about it, uh, people who uh, people who have their own idea of how the story went, uh, will be very defensive of their own interpretation of the story. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to be as as biblical. I, I'm trying to be. I'm not trying to go in, in a, I probably am one of those people with the blinders on that you're talking about, but I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to you know, be creative with the story very much. And I'm getting, I, I'm getting bullied by the people who uh, just want to see their version of the story, their Disney version of the story. Uh, anyway, once again, it's not about me. All right. I've been, I've been to your website and it looks like you have 33 novels on your website. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, the, the series that I've counted are the Lantern series, the Pinkerton match series, the Proxy Brides series, the Silver Pines Wanted series, the Sins of the Flesh series, Seven Mafia Brides for Seven Brothers series, Hold on, I have to turn the page. The, <clears throat> the Beyond the Veil series. And that's it. So uh, have I missed a series? How many have, I, can't, I counted 33 novels. Uh, did I miss anything, first of all? 
Uh, no, you haven't. Uh, I don't think you have. I am in another series called the Blizzard Bride series. That is one that's currently going on right now. And uh, what uh, people should know, those are multiple author projects. So basically a group of romance authors got together, we created a world, and we each write uh, several books in that world. Right now, for example, I wrote five books in the Pinkerton Matchmaker series. I wrote two, uh, two for The Lantern, three for, I think, no, four for Proxy Bride, three for Sins of the Flesh is my series, and then three for The Silver Pines and Beyond the Veil was just one. Um, yeah, so it's just multiple author projects. And so the actual Pinkerton, for example, the longest one, the Pinkerton Matchmaker series is 80 books with about 23 authors. Wow. Okay. And so, um, so that's what I do. So that helped, that has helped build up my catalog. Um, they're not really gigantic tomes of information. Um, I write to market and my market are those readers who want to read quickly. They don't want to really think too hard about what they're reading. Um, they want to read something that's easygoing and uh, they can do within the sitting. So that's my market that I write to. Um, I am branching off into my own with my own series. Um, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm blessed. The Lord really has blessed me throughout this whole thing. So how often do you, are you cranking these books out? Is it one per year or is it one every faster than that? So my goal at when, at my height, I was pushing out a book a month at my height. Um, I had did 10 books in a year, I think. Um, but Man. again, notice that they're not real big books. They're just, you know, they're smaller books, novella length, if you will. Um, but uh, now because I am focusing my energies on my own solo projects, um, I'm trying to get six books out this year. Um, that's my goal anyway. I got one, two, three. I'm working on four now. I'm working on four now. That should be out by the end of this month. And then two more. That'll be six this year. Um, that's my goal anyway. Um, I had some health issues recently, which uh, put a stop to some of that and uh, had me refocus. But that's my goal. Um, if you write, write. It doesn't matter how often you write as long as you do it so how many pages are these books are we talking about like 100 to 150 they're not okay. like, so they're not massive tomes they're not like you're doing comic books and that's a lot of drawing a lot of you know little bubbles yeah. or quote bubbles and then making sure the coloring's there I couldn't even begin to imagine <laughs> how to do that yeah <laughs> uh so what is your process when you're when you're writing? Do you write out an out an outline first, or do you just sit down and write whatever comes to you? I'm what you call a pantser, so I write by the seat of my pants. <laughs> um, over the years, though, because of my historicals are getting more complicated, I have started to outline some of my thoughts, but I am not an advocate for myself, not of people, but for myself. I don't like to outline because it takes away the discovery, if you will, of the story as you write by the seat of your pants. Um, but I prefer that because sometimes the story flows like liquid. It'll flow yeah. like liquid. But right. then what'll happen though, Bill, is that I will get tripped up by something really innocuous. Like for example, it took me four days to write about a tree. And I know this tree has nothing to do with the story. For goodness sake, it's just scenery. But uh -huh. I wanted to describe this tree perfectly. And it held me up for four days. And that's that those type of things 
happen to me. I'll get held up by something really innocuous and I need to stop because it's a tree for goodness sake. It's just a leaf, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that, that's my process. I write by the seat of my pants. I try to write at night with my Mountain Dew and marshmallow concoctions that gives me that burst. And I try to write when I'm a little bit tired because your right brain, the right side of your brain tends to be yeah. more active. Yeah. And sometimes the story just full, wait, this is the left side. Sometimes the story just flows better with the right side of your brain, a little bit tired. Wow. Interesting. All right. So how can aspiring novelists follow in your footsteps? What, what advice do you have to aspiring novelists? Right until you get to the end, each word is a victory. If you write one word a day, you have a victory. But I know you're going to write more than one word a day. Each word is a victory because 80% of people who start a book do not finish it. 10% do. And the other 10% got abducted by aliens. Okay. So literally you're doing something 80% of people won't do. So each word is a victory. And as soon as you get finished, guess what? You have done something a lot of people haven't. Awesome. So what novelists are you inspired by? Who who are you trying to model your career after? You know, I used to answer this question with a lot of different people. Um, Like I like, I grew up reading Stephen King. I used to hide and read Stephen King. My mother wouldn't let me uh, read him. So I used to hide. And then when I discovered romance novels, uh, and that was a funny story. (laughs) When I discovered that I used to pull the covers off and then I'm so bad. I used to put my Bible. So my mom would see me reading (laughs) (laughs) a romance novel in there. Awful, awful child. Um, but now I just Song of Songs, write, mom. Uh, Reading Song of Songs, mom. I know. <laughs> That's what it is, right? You know, but um now I just want to write the best I can write, who Parker J is. Um, am I inspired by many different authors? Yes, I couldn't begin to name them all. Um, but nowadays I just want to know who is Parker J. Cole. How does she write? Uh, is each book getting better with each time she publishes one? Does the dialogue get better? So um, I try to just improve my own writing. But am I inspired by others? Of course. How, who, who they are? Many people. So I can't narrow it down to any one person. Amen. Awesome. So how can people find you? Your, your uh, website is parkerjcole.com. And you also have a, a podcast as well. And remind me what that's, uh, tell people what the podcast is, how people can find you on the podcast. So to connect with me, go to simplyparkerjco.com. All my information is there. To connect with my podcast, go to pjcmedia.net. All my podcast interviews are there. I have been podcasting now. Thank the Lord for eight years. I did take a hiatus this year because I got sick. I am ramping back up again, and uh, I showcase Christian authors worldwide. Excellent. Awesome. So, Parker, we're going to pray for you and your ministry. Let's begin now. Father God, thank you for uh, this conversation with Parker. Uh, we pray for her ministry. We pray that uh, that she inspires others uh, to use their talents and their gifts and uh, bring them closer to the Lord and bring other people closer to the Lord as well. Uh, I really appreciate this time together. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Parker J. Cole is available at parkerjcole.com. This has been Bill Brooks for Creatively Christian. Thank you very much for this time together, Parker. Hope to see you again. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening today. To see the resources mentioned in this episode, you can head over to theophanymedia.com forward slash Parker. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Bill Brooks, and Lynn Baber. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Our music is by Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day and keep on creating for our Lord.